Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Monday, everybody. Back home. After, uh, I don't know, five, 6,000 miles of travel last week, something like that. Great to be with you on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. Best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. And a tremendous service department. That, uh, my apologies. Auto, home, life, business. Boat, RV. Motorcycle. They'll make sure you're fully insured, and they'll do a great job of taking care of your policies. Customer service means everything to them. At Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street, and some. My apologies. At Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Do we have any uh, guests today at all? Um, I think Macatrillo may call in, and then John Griffin may also call in. But other than that, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, John's got. Uh, I think who he is, Princeton next, I believe, if I recall. I think Princeton on Wednesday night. All right. And then uh, the Eagles, yeah, I'll, I'll start with the Eagles. I'll get to other things later. The Eagles are a very good team. Um, they are not a great team. Eagles fans don't like when I say that, but... There is a bottom line. They're probably realistically an eight and four team that is ten and one, or realistically they're an eight and three team that's ten and one. I mean, realistically, that's what they are. Um, yesterday, y'all won the game, but that was as poorly officiated a game as I've seen in a long time. No offense, A.J. Brown fumbled the ball. That was a fumble. I was shocked by the call. I sat back and went, what? Like, live, he fumbled it. And I watched the replay, I got, that's a fumble. He's got to make a football move. No, no, he fumbled the ball. You lost the game. I, it, I don't quite get what I'm seeing with the officiating, but that's the second game this year that the Eagles have benefited from tremendous... Have, have, it's the second time I've seen this year where the Eagles really benefited from really poor officiating, that everything went their way. 
When I sat back and went, what am I watching here? Because remember, they're playing a Buffalo defense. Let's start with this. There's no Matt Milano and no White. The two top defensive players they don't have because they're out for the year. And he fumbles the ball. I'm sorry, he caught it and fumbled it. You may not like me saying it. Like, I really don't care if you don't like me saying the truth. Uh, I mean, you just can't just sit there and go, I'm an Eagles fan. He caught it. He, he did not catch it. It was incomplete. Okay. Well, you're then out of the conversation. Okay. I, I have neutral eyes. And neutral eyes. I sat there and went, you got to be kidding me. Really? Man, I have no dog in the hunt. If the Eagles win, that's great. If the Eagles lose, like, I don't care. But that's fine. I mean, I really, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't have a dog in the hunt. It doesn't matter to me who wins the games. It didn't matter to me if Buffalo won. It didn't matter to me if Philadelphia won. But you want me to come out and give you at least an honest um, um, assessment of what I saw. I'm watching the game. Philadelphia gets outplayed in a lot of ways. Now, they, there's certain elements that are, they're really good at. DeAndre Swift has been having a really good year. The kick by Josh Elliott might be the second best kick. Um, I'll say, yeah, it would be the second best kick I've ever seen, maybe third. Uh, Number one is the Adam Venateri kick in the snow against the Raiders. Yeah, we can talk tuck roll all you want, but I'm just talking about the kick kick. You know, to kick it in a driving snowstorm like that, to send the game to overtime, and then to kick another field goal in the driving snowstorm to win it, that's that's great kicking. Okay? I saw Massimo. I I literally just saw Massimo Manka before the Rutgers game. He kicked a 50-yard field goal in a driving rainstorm against Notre Dame that I thought was phenomenal which I always had felt was the second-best kick I'd ever seen until I saw yesterday. And the Elliott kick from 61 yards out, was it 60? Maybe it was 60. It may have been 60. It doesn't matter. 59-60, we're just parsing, right? 59-60 yards in under those conditions and in that situation was tremendous. Great, great kick. Clutch, the whole thing, just a great kick by him. He's been the best player on the Eagles the entire season. And tremendous. I thought Jordan Davis played well against the run during the game. Um, Bradbury had the interception, which was a really good play by him. Everybody else in the defense was, eh. Offensively, for the most part, yeah. Except Devontae Smith, who I thought was darn good, and then I, and I thought Swift, Swift has been exponentially better than I thought he was going to be for Philadelphia. I thought he'd be good, but not this good. And I, you know, that cutback, he always finds that lane. He's been really, really good. Hertz is not as good as last year. He has moments where it looks like last year, and he has moments where it looks like his rookie year. He's kind of, and that may be in the end, who he actually is. But they're like an 8-3 and three team that's 10-1. and one. 
And a big reason why they are 10 and 1 and not 8 and 3 is that there have been two games where the officiating was so poor, and yesterday was one of them. We're like, I don't get it. There was a punt return, and I pointed this out on a game earlier this year, and it may have been the Washington game. Washington or Dallas. I think Covey's a really good punt returner. But you can clearly see there was one it was a couple weeks ago, you can clearly see a block in the back like and no call. I'm sitting there like going, Really? And I saw the same thing yesterday. Clear block in the back. I'm like, well, that's coming back. Uh no. <laughs> it's not coming back. I'm thinking, what the heck am I watching here? Then I saw the Brown play, and immediately I said, wow, it's a fumble. He lost it. And they're like, uh, upon review, upon review what? He fumbled the ball. He caught it, and he fumbled it. He caught it. He had already taken two steps, was in the process of taking the third step. Like, that's when he fumbled it. He wasn't juggling it. He fumbled like I don't I don't get it. Now, these are all going as 10 and ones. They're all that means the Eagles right now have the clear path to being the number 1 seed. Uh are they the number 1 seed in the NFC? Absolutely they are. Have they been the best team in the NFC? Yes, have they been the best team in the NFL? Yes. Are they a great team? No. They're very good. They're very good. But they're not as good as they were last year. That's the oddity. That's the strange part about it. And you, just, it, you know, it depends on who you play when. But they got a couple of breaks. Where well, I'm sitting there, and again, I'm totally neutral. There's no dog in the hunt. Zero. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. I don't care who wins the NFC East. I always kid around about the Giants all the time when they play the Cowboys. That's actually real. <laughs> but I don't care. When the Eagles play the Cowboys, do I care who wins the game? Nope. Do I care who wins the 49ers-Eagles game? Nope. I can objectively sit here and, and talk to all of you and say, you know what? This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm not seeing. And that's what I'm seeing. I see the Eagles to me are an eight and three team that has benefited, and now they're ten and one. Now, Eagles fans have every right to sit back and say, "Yeah, but we're ten and one, and that's all that matters." You are absolutely correct about that. Absolutely correct about that. And I, I would never argue with you about that. That is their record. Right. Objectively, I look at them and go, yeah, they're pretty much an 8-3 and three team that somehow has been able to get themselves to 10-1 and one because they've caught some breaks that maybe they didn't really burn. And when you're having a good season, that does happen. When you're having a good season, that does happen. And they're having a good season. There's no getting around. They're having a good season. They're a good football team. Um, I'm sure, I think Matt's calling in with his rant here at some point. 
maybe not this second, but maybe in the next hour. We've got John Griffin next half hour, I believe. John's at 135. Uh, bowl projections. We'll give you the bowl projections in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Okay, great to have you with us on the show today. Um, Losing teams make losing plays. Um, Yesterday, the Bills missed two field goals, losing plays. Auburn, Alabama at the end, you rushed two? Really? Who thought that was a good idea? I mean, when the ball was snapped, I looked at Dick Girardi because I was back in Orlando at that point. I looked at Dick Girardi and said, I said, they're rushing two. I said, they're inviting a touchdown pass. I said, you've got to make this guy run for his life, right? You rush four. They rushed two through a touchdown pass, ended it. Losing teams make losing plays. Uh, Penn State Bowl projections. Mark Schlebaugh, ESPN, has Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st against Washington. Kyle Bonagura of ESPN is Penn State against Texas in the Cotton Bowl on Friday, December 29th. Andy Staples uh, from On3.com has dropped Penn State out of the New Year's Six mix. Jerry Palm has of CBS Sports as Penn State against Missouri in the Peach Bowl December 30th, which is a Saturday, by the way. Uh, college football news, Penn State, Washington, Fiesta Bowl, January 1st. Athlon Sports, Penn State, Missouri, Peach Bowl, December 30th. And now here's the long list of uh, Tulane matchups. Saturday tradition, Penn State, Tulane, Fiesta Bowl, January 1. Breckman Murphy, Action Network, Penn State, Tulane, Peach Bowl, December 30th. John uh, Tanzi, uh, Bleacher Report, Penn State, uh, Tulane, Peach Bowl, December 30th. USA Today, Penn State, Tulane, Tulane, Peach Bowl, December 30th. Bill Bender is Penn State, Tulane, in the Peach Bowl, December 30th. I'll say this, that the tough part about that, and I've said it before, what's really hard about that when you play a group of five team, and I talked about this when they played Memphis, it really is, you know, you win, you win, but it's like a no-win situation perception-wise. Penn State last year went to the Rose Bowl, beat Utah. What was the perception? Wow. Penn State went to the Fiesta Bowl, beat Washington. What was the perception? Wow. Penn State beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. What was the perception? Well, it's a game you should have won. But if you look at Tulane beating USC last year in the Cotton Bowl, everybody looks at it and goes, the heck happened there? I think Houston once beat Florida State in the Peach Bowl. And although you know what's interesting? Look at the Big 12 standings. Okay? Check out the Big 12 standings. Everyone talks about, wow, look at this great um, additions they made to the conference. Look at the great additions they made. You know, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. 
Who's the best of the group? UCF. They went three and six in the conference. Six and six overall. They're going to a bowl game. BYU two and seven in the conference. Five and seven overall. Houston two and seven in the conference. Four and eight overall. Cincinnati one and eight in the conference. Three and nine overall. So the four new teams in conference combined to win eight games. Eight. The three teams combined to go eight and 28 in conference play, right? Six, 13, 20. Yeah, eight and 28. Eight and 28 in conference play, the four schools that were brought into the Big 12. Eight and 28. What does that tell you? Oh, the group of five and blah, blah. These are, you know, Cincinnati was in the college football playoff. Houston's always been really good. They've won a, they've won a, uh, a, a Peach Bowl. BYU, great rep. UCF, national champs, they proclaimed in 17 or whatever that year was. Right? They combined to go 8-28 and 28 when they had to go day in and day out against other Power 5 teams. 8-28. and 28. What does that tell you? I mean, that to me, those four schools going to the Big 12 and going a combined 8 and 28 in Big 12 play is not a boost for the established teams in the conference. It tells you that the there is a chasm, for the most part, with maybe the exception of a team where you have to do it every single week. You can get up for a game but you can't get up for a schedule. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Prudy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Marketry and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home, life, business, boat, RV, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll make sure you're fully insured. Save you money where they can. Maybe in certain situations they're allowed to go over state lines. Maybe it's bundles. But customer service means everything to the great people at Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, do we have John? Uh, not yet. Okay. So as we have John, just let me know. Caleb, appreciate that. Yep, no problem. Yeah. And we're talking about John Griffin, basketball coach at Bucknell. And we'll talk with him. They've got Princeton coming up, I believe. Uh, that's next. And then Penn State on Saturday. And uh, looking forward to seeing John in person. Last time I saw him in person was Coaches versus Cancer here back in uh, late May, early June. First class guy. 
we were talking about bold projections earlier, and I'll uh, I'll stick with that. Um, um, I'll stick I'll stick with Penn State football for a moment, and that's Friday night's game. They obviously played extremely well across the board. They they. The offensive line played well, really protect, protected Drew, and then when Bo was in there, Bo as well. Uh, they did a great job with that. They um, and and on top of that, they um, um, hit the big plays. Katron Allen had a big night. Nicholas Singleton had a big night. And Nicholas had a big night in both the running and the passing part of it. Big plays in both. Hit the big shot, though, Mari Evans. Tight ends played really well. Really well. Tight ends. Uh, credit where credit is due uh, to the tight ends as to how well they, they played in the game. Um... And they were able to get the job done. And again, played in my opinion at a high level. Defensively, they were just—you could see from the from the outset—totally, completely dominant. Totally, completely dominant um, from the start to the finish. Uh, you see right away, and Jack, Jack, I thought made the perfect comment in the pregame show when he said, "Hey, look, here's the bottom line." He says, "Every matchup you look across the board, Penn State's defense against the Michigan State offense, it's all Penn State." And this is also something that, in talking the day before, uh, somebody who works in. Uh, in, uh, in the NIL area, asked me about, hey, can we? And he says, what do, you, what do you think about the game? And I said, I said, look, Penn State will score at least thirty, and they'll shut them out. I mean, that that's just how I felt going into the game, and that's how, you know, and that's how, um, that's how Jack felt about going into the game. We both felt the same way. Going in, and then you know, you know, I mean, should they? I mean, if you're going to get picky about it, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking around. Uh, and there's just there was nothing that looked right for Michigan State going in this game against Penn State. It was just that kind of matchup. And now they wait. I mean, again, dominant all the way through. I mean, that's what, you know, there was nothing about it that um, there was nothing about it that, that was unusual. Big plays, played smart. And Singleton and Allen both had over 100 yards rushing, and Drew threw the ball great. I, you could tell last Monday in watching practice, like, this will be no problem. 
with how he was throwing the ball. He really threw the ball well when he threw the ball last week. You could just say. Yeah, you could just say. Yeah, I know he didn't do much throwing on Tuesday when the media was in there, but like Monday, throwing the ball, he was slinging it all over the yard. That's why, and then I watched him in warm-up, and in warm-up he looked the same as he did on uh, on Monday. Using Bo, we had to laugh because um, when Bo came in the game near the goal line, Michigan State called a timeout. <laughs> so after the game, you know, we went downstairs and we were going out. Jack was getting on the bus to go back with the team to State College. I just walked out with him, and then I ended up walking back to the hotel. In Detroit, by the way, is, um, I know there have been a lot of improvements made there, and you can see it. I, mean, it's, I had no qualms about walking at midnight. In Detroit, back to those is like ten blocks. Yeah, didn't bother me at all. Um, but you know, so we're walking back to the bus, and Bo comes out, and Jack and I, you know, talking to him. And I looked over. I said, "Yeah, Jack and I left on the broadcast that when you came in the game that one time, they immediately called the timeout." And he says, "Yeah." He says, "Geez, Mister Jones, I'm so." He says, "I was so mad about that." He says. We were all set to go. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know you were. I said, we are all set to go. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. No. But that's, uh, hey, ten, ten wins. I think I have only seven teams In the country since the start of the college football playoff that have won 10 or more five times. I mean, you look at the, like, for example, take Texas. Texas has had a tremendous year. Great year. And we don't have John yet, right? I'm just checking to make sure. No, we do not. Okay, no, I'm just ma- I'm making sure, that's all. I just, I don't, I don't want to hold John up in any way. Um, because I know he's busy, and I want to make sure I'm not doing anything that slows him down in any way. Uh, want to be fair to him and appreciate the fact he's giving us time. Um, so, when you're looking at uh, and, and and he said we were all set to go. Well, you're looking at the te- teams like Texas, USC, for example, right? Texas has not won 10 or better five of the last eight years. They're having a terrific year this year, and all credit to Steve Sarkeesian and his um, team for that. Okay? Um, But it's been a struggle for them. That's why they've been switching coaches. USC, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, one through, I mean, you know, they have a lot of talent on the team. They're they're seven and five. Okay. I mean, those are two of the dominant brands. Notre Dame. No. Again. 
ten. Were they eight and? Well, they ended up nine and three. Maybe they beat Stanford. Um, so my point is, yes, you see Alabama do it, and you're seeing Georgia do it. You're seeing to the credit of Ohio State do it. Okay. And, but it's hard to do. I mean, Missouri's a 10-win season this year. That's what I could consider a signature year for them. Ole Miss, this is only the fourth time since 1971. They've won 10 games or better. Alabama, of course, does it on a regular basis. Texas has been struggling to get the 10 wins. They're 11-1 and this year. Oregon usually is pretty good, but they've had some ups and downs along the way. Ohio State's every year. Florida State has not. Florida State's not in that group. Finally go 12-0 and this year. Washington, nope. Michigan only lately. And, of course, Georgia. So the 10 are to win 10 games or more in a season is still far more difficult than people realize. Now, let's get to the, you know, the next part is. The next part is um, is obvious. And the next part in the area of obvious is that everybody wants more. Well, guess who wants more and more than anybody else? James Franklin. He wants more. Um, and the players want more, and the assistant coaches want more. As badly as the fans want it, and I know they want it badly. You, you know, you throw your hearts and souls into it, so I completely get it. So you're disappointed that there are 10 wins and not 11 or 12. I completely understand that. But let's not pretend, too, that that winning 10 games is some shabby accomplishment. It's not. It is an accomplishment. And there are, you know... I mean, you're going through, let's see, who has 10 wins in this particular year? Let's see, Miami of Ohio does. Right? They're a good team. They're in the... Uh, They'll be playing in the MAC championship game. So they have 10 wins. Troy has 10 wins. SMU, Toledo, Iowa have 10 wins. James Madison has 11. Liberty, 12. Tulane has 11. Louisville has 10. Penn State has 10. Oklahoma has 10. As does Missouri, Ole Miss, Alabama, Texas, Oregon, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Michigan, and Georgia. So the total that I have that are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So 20 schools in this particular year have 10 wins. Now, there are, with bowl games and championship games, there could be more. But there's 20 out of 133. It's, you know, 
So it's difficult to do. And I know everybody wants more because they want to be in the college football playoff. Got it. Everybody wants more. They want to be in the Big Ten championship game. Got it. As somebody who has announced a Big Ten football championship game, there's nothing like being in it, and I'm sure the college football playoffs the same way. And I've done NCAA tournaments. There's nothing like being in it. So I completely get where everybody wants the program to be. But you're not at a position where you're a 7-8, 9-win team. You're not in that position. You're one of the double-digit teams. Now you're trying. You're fighting for inches, not yards. If you're a 7-8, 9-win team, you're fighting for yards to get yourself to the top. If you're a 10-win team on a consistent basis, which Penn State is, you're fighting now for inches. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And uh, by the way, uh, I was talking about the officiating on the Eagles game yesterday. There were two false starts on Jason Kelsey yesterday. One was a really good call, and the other one was a horrible call. I mean, one was like, okay, I, yep, you can see it. The other one's like, well, come on, what, what are we doing here? Just let him snap it. Um, so I felt the officials on Kelsey got one right. And you're like, okay, yep, he, he definitely moved it, and I can see why, Why? what was it, uh, A.J. Epinesa, why he jumped. The other one was like, what are we doing here? Uh, so so that was one where I sat back and went, okay, the first one, yes. The second one, no. That was not a good call on Kelsey, the second one. Again, go ahead. Uh, we got John Giffen. So. Oh, great. Good. Let's get John on. John, first of all, how are you? you doing all right? Steve, doing well. Doing very well. How about yourself? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, uh, no problem. I'm talking about my Eagles. Yeah, talking about your Eagles. I mean, they're very, very yeah. good. Very, very good. They're a resilient uh, group. Yeah. They're resilient. Uh, we, we, as Philly fans, man, we love this team. Oh, no. You know what? They really represent the city. That's the they way do. the city is. I mean, they're they're Rocky Balboa. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice usage of Rocky Balboa right there. <laughs> you know, they, they, take, they take a few shots, and they keep getting off the deck. Uh, yeah, they do. And it starts with the quarterback, and Jalen Hurts is a – I mean, that guy is a winner. So it's fun yeah, to watch. He is. It is fun to watch. Uh, I know your team needs to be resilient as well at this point. Uh, so what do, you, what do you see in them? What do you see in them off the court? And what do you see in them on the practice court, John? I mean, I see a group that's eager uh, to improve. Uh, obviously, the results are not what anybody would want. Uh, in a world of instant gratification, we've played eight games. I think everybody on the team and the program following the program wants us to be eight and oh and it's just uh you know we're not there yet and uh that doesn't lessen the expectations throughout the course of uh of the month of november however uh we have to be realistic about kind of where we are and uh the group is just like i said it, they have the right attitude um towards improvement and every day we come in there's good energy, there's good enthusiasm, and um, and these these 
these guys are just seeking to to get better, and that's all you can ask right now. I would say the one mistake that uh, that I made, and and part of it was just walking into the situation, was just our scheduling. Uh, yeah. Essentially, after we play Penn State on the second, uh, we'll have played ten games from November sixth to December second. It's yeah. just too many, um, especially with a group like the one that we have, where they're trying to figure out. Um, how to to get better as as a unit themselves, let alone prepare for an opponent. And it seems like every time we're on the floor together, we're either playing somebody else or preparing for yeah. somebody else, and you it just slows down your ultimate uh, goal of being the best team that you can be. Yeah, what has that done in the ability for them to then be cohesive with what you'd like to do, and conversely, what has that done? in your ability to look at each player as to what they do best to then accentuate it? I mean, um, it's a great question. Um, first of all, within the locker room, I can tell you that when we, you know, having played at, at this point eight games and been on the road as much as we have, <laughs> um, the, the group is really uh, building confidence uh, in, in the fact that they, they feel like they can win every time they're on the floor. And that's a big part of this growth process is being – um, mentally uh, believing that you can win no matter the opponent. And we've shown in spurts that we can be a pretty dynamic team and a pretty tough team defensively, which will always give us a chance to, to win games. And then individually with Elvin Edmonds going down, uh, we just have to be a little creative uh, with how we get into some of our offensive movement patterns. And then at the same time, we have to do a better job with our shot selection. Uh, we're taking at times, not uh, for 40 minutes, but at times challenging shots that lead to transition yeah. defense. And, you know, when you play as many games as we have, transition defense can ultimately lead to points. So it's a work in progress in that regard. John, I look forward. I know you got a game with Princeton coming up, but I look forward to seeing you Saturday here, okay? All right. Thanks, Steve. Great, John. All right, we'll come back more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 